Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's stand for the reading of the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. One verse of scripture, and then I'll let you be seated. Matthew chapter 6, end of verse 9, says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Real quick, before we're seated and we get into the word, Father, I pray that your word that is already true come alive in our understanding. Lord, if there's any part of us that doesn't believe what your word says, change us. Infect us with truth. Overwhelm us with truth because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, everybody that's going to preach with me can be seated. If you're not going to preach with me, you've got to stay standing. I'm just kidding. Y'all be seated. We are in part three. Everybody say part three. We are in part three of our series that we are calling This is the Kingdom. Have y'all enjoyed this so far? Anybody been challenged over the last couple weeks? Oh, my Lord, it's been challenging. And we're going into the second part of kind of a little mini-series that we started last Sunday on kingdom culture. Everybody say kingdom culture. And I am unpacking, started last week, this week, and then next week I am unpacking Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the longest sermons that he preached, and we learn a lot about his kingdom. And last week we learned about the attitude of a citizen of the kingdom of God. Today we're going to be looking at another aspect, and then we'll finish this part up next week, and then we will dive into the rest of what it means to usher in the kingdom of God. But before we get into the word, I want to say buena asafiwe to all of our family in Kenya, all nine locations. Let's give them a hand. Praise God. This is an amazing thing. Uh, Pastor John reached out to me. He was traveling last week, and over the weekend, he had been invited to go speak at a crusade. That's, that's what they call when just people come from all over an area and they do not what we would call a crusade, but they just travel in and they go and they pray and they worship and they hear some preaching for two or three days and they like camp out and it's really cool. But he had been doing that and he reached out to me on Friday. He wanted to give me an update and like God has opened up some amazing doors. Over the weekend, God opened the door for us to open two more churches in Yondatawa County. So here in the next couple of months, we're going to have 11 churches in Yondatawa County, Kenya, and I am so excited about that. But while he was there, two other congregations that were already established heard about the crusade, and they said, we want to go see what that's about. They got there, and the power of God was so strong. Those pastors came to Pastor John, and they said, can we be a part of what you're doing? And he goes, I don't know. I have to ask my dad because that's what he calls me, his dad. So he says, I have to ask my dad. So he calls me and says, Dad, can they be a part of NOLA Church? <laughs> so that's really cool. I don't know what's going to happen, that, but these are two established congregations that are wanting to be a part of our family. So sometime next year, Pastor John Valverde and I are going over to Africa, and we're going to meet with all these people, and God is going to do something amazing through NOLA Church in Kenya. We love y'all. Buenas, Afiwe, Jumbo, Jumbo. We love you. Praise God. And also our family in Albania who is getting ready for us to come over there and plant a church in the city of Lach and see what God does. Also in the city of Tirana, Albania. We love you. I can't speak your language, but God bless. Anyway, y'all ready to get into the word of God? Amen. We unpacked the beginning, the first third of the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, I, I like the way it's broken down in the Bible. Chapter 5 is all about the attitude of a citizen. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Come on, say it like you're going to preach with me. Say attitude. attitude. Don't say it like you're quiet, like I'm coming for you, because I'm not. I'm just coming for all of us. Amen. The attitude of a citizen. There is a way that we should approach life. There is a mindset that everyone who calls themselves a believer should have. And if, if we don't have this attitude, like I, we were talking about this before church and, and the leader tagging, we need to go back to immigration. Like if, 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 if our attitude as a citizen isn't the right attitude, we've got to go back to the immigration line, also known as the altar in spiritual sense, and we've got to realign our lives with the, 
values and the passions of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And, and here's the deal. We're going to be bumped because our attitude is not always going to align with the word of God. Doesn't mean that God is triggering us. It doesn't mean that he's canceling us. Doesn't mean that he hates us. What it means is he is reaching for us saying, I want you to be a part of who I am and what I'm establishing, but I need you to live in a place of repentance. In chapter 6, he, he goes into a little bit different direction. And this part of the sermon, right here in the middle where the big meat is, he's talking about the response of a citizen. So if you need a title today, I'm just simply titling it Response. And over the next few verses in chapter 6, we, we see that there are four responses that a citizen of his kingdom should have. There is a relationship response there is a faith response, there's a generosity response, and there is a trust response. And he unpacks all four of these things in what we see in chapter 6 of Matthew. So what I'm going to do is over the next few minutes, I'm going to break down each one of these. And just like last week, I'm not going to take the time to read the entire chapter. Last week, I didn't take the time to read the entire chapter and preach an hour and 15 minutes. I'm going to do my best to not do that today, amen, and all the people in the house said amen. So when I tell y'all to go read this, I want y'all to go read this, amen? So I, I'm going to hit some highlights. I'm going to give you some things, but you've got some homework to do this week to learn about the responses. Let's start with verse 1. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I want you to be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Let's keep that on the screen. I want us to think about that. I want you to be careful. What does that mean? I want you to be intentional in working. I want you to put the effort in to not display your relationship or your righteousness. What, what does that mean? It's your relationship with God. Don't put your relationship with God on display for other people to see it, to draw attention to yourself. So I want you to be very intentional in displaying the relationship that you and I are in. I want you to display your citizenship in my kingdom, but not to be noticed by other people. They're going to see you, but it can't be about you. It's like the song that we just got through singing, all I want is for you to be glorified. Uh, Lord, let them see my life and let them see you being glorified in me. I want us to have the attitude that John the Baptist had, like I must decrease, he must increase. Not I must decrease so that he can increase. No, I just simply have to decrease and he must simply have to increase. We've got to make our relationship and we've got to make the display of what we're putting out there. We've got to make it about Jesus. People will see that, but in Jesus' name, they see him, not us. Amen, amen. Here's the deal, believer. You've got to understand this. Your life is not clickbait. You're not doing things to get noticed. You're not doing things just to get the affirmation statement as they like your posts on social media. You're not doing things to get the pat on the back. You're not doing things to get the attaboy. You're not doing things to be noticed by people. If you are, your attitude is not right and your response is reactive, not responsive. In fact, here's what we see with each one of these responses that a citizen of the kingdom of God needs to have. That there is an option to react. And isn't it, isn't it interesting? There is always an option for us to go the wrong direction because we always live in choice. Regardless of how we understand and misunderstand theology, there is such thing as free will. God continually gives us a choice. And when we, when we look at our display of our relationship with God, we do have a choice to react or respond. So what is the reaction? Because if, if we know what's there, it's easier to prevent against it, amen? If you know where you're going. The reaction that we can do in our relationship with God is we can do self-promotion. Another word for that is pride. If we draw attention to us, it's about us. But what is the response? The response of a citizen is the relationship. I'm not going to live my righteousness in front of you for you to go, ooh, look how spiritual they are. 
I'm going to live my relationship with Jesus Christ in front of you so you don't see me. I become transparent. I become clear. And when I do good works, it's not about me. It's about my Father who lives in me. Amen, amen. Y'all learning something already? Okay, so look at the end of verse 1. He says, otherwise, oh, and this is like, you got to understand this. There are a lot of if-then statements in chapter 6. If you live your relationship with God to be displayed, to be noticed by other people, if, here's the then, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Man, it got quiet. It's amazing how quiet we get when we read the Word of God, how it's actually written. It's amazing how quiet we get when people stop asking us, what do you feel about this Scripture? What does this scripture mean to you? No, that's the wrong question. What does the word of God mean? What is he saying? Here's the thing that he's saying. He is making a distinction. And this, this, is, not, this is not mean. This is not aggressive. This, I'm, I'm doing us a favor here today. There is a pathway to citizenship in the kingdom of the almighty God. There's a right way to do it. And there's a wrong way to attempt it. If we do it the right way, we become citizens. If we do it the wrong way, we are not. How can a loving God send people to hell? A loving God won't do it. People make the choice not to lean into the opportunity he has already given. And Jesus is standing here in this moment and he's saying, I want you to understand there is a right way to live. Not all of God's creation is going to heaven. By the way, thank you all for the condolences that we had to send our, our dog to the country. But all dogs don't go to heaven. Dogs don't go to heaven at all. They go to the country in a farm. I learned this week about the, the Rainbow Bridge. I don't even know what that is. but Never even heard of that. I thought it was like something to do with Skittles or something. But like all of God's people, all of the people who are created in the image and likeness of God will not make heaven their home. Oh, that is so aggressive, Pastor. No, it's truth. The problem is religion has tried so hard not to be offensive and tried so hard not to get canceled that we've just made the pathway to eternity with God so wide. But he said, no, no, no. It's very, very narrow. Many are called. Like everybody's called, but few are chosen. And even fewer are actually faithful. And like the, the pathway to, to destruction is very wide and the church is trying to make the pathway to eternity very wide. And he's like, no, 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 no. There's a right way to do it. And that, uh, there's another way. There's a way that seems right to carnal man, but the end thereof is destruction. And my job today is to stand on the shoulders of my creator, my king. You, you should totally mean it. His name is Jesus and he's awesome. And say, hey, it's time for us to take our citizenship very, very serious. Is our relationship response in right order? What are we displaying? What are we showing the world around us? And he begins to dive in. In this section of chapter 6, he begins to dive into just simply what I'm going to call giving. And for a lot of us, we think, well, you're talking about generosity here in a second. No, I'm not talking about just money. We'll, we'll talk about the awkward thing here in just a second. But giving is not just financial. It's time, talent, and treasure, right? There are three things that we give, time, talent, and treasure. All of these things we need to put the kingdom of God first in. But you have to understand this. The display of your relationship with God is your giving. Again, I'm not just talking about what you reach into your wallet and drop in the box on the way out. That's not what I'm talking about by itself. You have to understand that when you go to work and you're having a bad day and you claim to be a believer and they know that you're a believer and then you go... That's your gift that you're giving in that moment. When you go on social media and you display all the drama that is in your life, when three or four posts before you were displaying your faith in Jesus, 
Your drama is your gift in that moment. Well, I, I just want people to know my story. That's the wrong way to do it. I've been passive about this, but I can't anymore. Because what you don't understand is you are displaying the wrong gift. You're displaying your hurt. You're displaying your pain. You're displaying your struggle when you should be displaying your relationship with the Almighty. You just suck the air out of the room. No, I'm breathing life into the room right now because I'm speaking truth. What are we giving? Time, talent, and treasure. And our gift, our gift that we give is directly related to our relationship with God. You got to understand this. Your relationship with Jesus is not what you do for other people. It's your relationship with him. Don't give your gift to be noticed. Don't give your gift to get affirmation. Don't live a life of clickbait just to get the affirmation statement. How does your king see you in your situation? Does this make sense? Is everybody feeling awkward right now? Because I am, because y'all are looking at me like, oh God, where's he going? Okay, let's get off the relationship response. Okay, that's the relationship response. Let's look at the faith response. Everybody say faith. Faith. Look at verse five. He says, whenever you pray, like when you pray, like in other words, you should pray. Look at your neighbor and say, you should pray. Whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, that's not a football team. That's not a political party. What is he talking about? He is literally talking about the group of people who place themselves as responsible for spreading the religious law in the day. But the word that he uses here in the original language doesn't mean liar. Because when we think hypocrite, we think liar. Oh, you're displaying something that you're not. In the original language, it is the word for stage actor or pretender. When you pray, I want you to pray. Everybody should pray. All God's children should pray. When you pray, don't pray like the people who are acting like they're praying, who are pretending to pray. Because that is a reaction. What is the reaction? Self-governance. Another word for self-governance is idolatry. Anything that I place at the same level as Jesus in my life is an idol. And anything that is an idol leads me into false worship. I can even take my faith and make it an idol. I can take my worship and I can actually begin to worship my worship. I can start affirming things. I can start saying things like, how do you see yourself? Well, I see myself as wealthy right there in that moment. I have idolized faith. And we start thinking that positive affirmations are going to make things. No, no, that's bogus. That's witchcraft. That's idolatry. We can start idolizing our religious beliefs. We can start idolizing our denomination or our lack thereof. We can start idolizing the people who are influencers in our life. We can start idolizing all of these things. And we have to understand in this moment, that is nothing more than a self-governance reaction. We are play acting and we are pretending to be something that we are not. So he says, I don't want you to be like that. That's the if. If you're like that, you're going to be a hypocrite because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and on the street corners so that people can see them. And truly, I say to you, they have their reward. You do what you do to be noticed to other people. You get your reward, but you have to understand you're not getting any eternal reward. You're getting your reward here and now. If I do this and you notice it, then I... then. I've just received my reward in that moment. So the reaction is idolatry. What what is the response of a citizen? The response is true faith. True faith recognizes that I don't pray for you to hear the words that I'm saying. 
And I don't pray quietly so you don't hear. I pray out loud to shake the gate of hell itself. When I pray, I go, and if you keep reading, he says, go into your secret place. And when you get into your secret place, go into that place, just you and God. This is you praying. And I, and I, I want you to go into the secret place. And I said, well, how do we pray when we get there? And this is when he breaks down what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who is our source in heaven, let your name be honored. Your identity be honored. May your, your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the bread that we need to get through the day. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory and forever. Amen. 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 This is how you pray. It's not to be noticed by anyone else. You've come before the throne and your faith is firmly fixed on the one who sits on the throne. But he doesn't just stop with prayer. He, he dives into the next little section in chapter 6. He dives into fasting because fasting is entirely and intentionally tied to our faith because these are private dedications. And you've got to understand this, believer. It is possible to pretend to pray and pretend to fast. It is possible to pretend to pray. Glory, glory, glory. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm speaking in tongues. Jesus, 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 Jesus. They're going to think I'm spiritual. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's vain repetition. He actually says, hey, don't, don't be like the Gentiles. They think they're getting their prayer heard by repeating things over and over and over, but they're not getting their prayer heard. They're pretending. And he's also talking about the religious people of the day. They're walking around with these giant prayer boxes on their chest so everybody sees how spiritual they are and sees how dedicated they are. Look at my, look at all of the prayers that I know how to pray. Oh. You're going through something, you need me to pray. Joe, do you need me to pray for you? I'm happy to pray. Right? That's pretense. It's hypocritical. It's play acting. It's pretending to be something that you're not. And the moment, hey, you got to hear me. If you dig into chapter six, you'll see this. The moment that your fast goes on display, it's no longer a fast. You just ain't eating. It's like if you play golf and you get rid of the golf ball, you're just walking around. The moment that I say on my social media, I'm taking a fast from social media. It ain't a fast. I'm just going to step back. In other words, please notice that I'm stepping back. Notice my dedications. You're doing it for people. Right? And, and what he's talking about is it was very, very common for the religious people of the day that when they would go through their ceremonial fasting, which was like all the time, they would put ashes on their head. That sounds familiar. I'm sorry, I get distracted so easy. They would, put, they would put ashes on their head and they would walk around. Notice me, notice me. Have you noticed how fasting I am? No, I, I can't eat that one piece of rice. I'm, I'm fasting. This Daniel fast is so hard, I can't even drink Diet Coke. See, we've turned, we've turned a spiritual dedication that brings us close to God into a health choice and into a cultural phenomenon. Daniel didn't bathe for 21 days. And we think not eating sugar is the same thing. Homeboy didn't even comb his beard for 21 days. Daniel stunk. That's why the lions wouldn't eat him. But anyway. <laughs> and we think that's fasting. I just want my family to join with me. I'm fasting. No. You're just going without for the sake of going without. Or I'm going to do it for health reasons. God is not a diet plan. Some of us 
and by some of us, I mean some of me, need to go on a diet. Like, like, nothing wrong with thinking health conscious and learning to eat better and learning to make good choices. And broccoli, I found out, is actually a form of wild mustard. I don't like wild mustard. That's why I don't like broccoli. I'm not going to eat it. Oh, by the way, so is kale. But anyway, I probably should learn to make better choices in my food. But I can't take a 21 days fast that we do as a church body and say, this is my opportunity to get healthy. Because I just made it an idol and I made it about me. Man, I feel so much healthier in my body when I fast. No, your body is supposed to hurt so that your spirit becomes stronger and so that your character is reshaped by that hurt and by that pain. If your fast doesn't hurt, it's not fast, it's pretending. It's kind of like the actors when they when they drink in the movies. It's like watered down iced tea because they got to do a bunch of takes. And if they did that, they'd all be hammered. I'm pretty sure that happens. I'm sure that happens, right? Yeah, they, they get hammered. Yeah, that's what happens. But they're pretending, and everybody's like, "Oh, they're a drink." No, 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 they're just pretending. How many times do we pretend to fast? And meanwhile, our character is not being reshaped at all. We're still the same jacked up individual that we were before we started the fast. God didn't call us to be play actors. And if you're an actor by trade, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming for you. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about spiritual acting. It, right? Does that, that makes sense. Are we pretending? Or is our prayer truly reaching for intimacy with the one and true living God? Is our fasting to literally break us down to where we can receive more from him? This makes sense. Let me give you the relationship response here. Don't be dedicated to be noticed. Don't be dedicated to be noticed. Number two, follow his pattern for prayer. Don't pray the Lord's prayer and say, that's my prayer. No, that's not what he said do. He said pray like this. And then number three, fast for Jesus, not your health. That's the, real, that's the faith response here. Let's dive into the generosity response. Matthew chapter 6, looking at a couple verses here. Start with verse 19, then we'll go to verse 20. He says, don't accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and devouring insects destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, depending on the translation that you're reading, it may say something along the lines where moth and rust corrupts, which that definitely applies. But the reason that the word rust is sometimes put into different translations is because here Jesus is referencing an insect that its color was rust-like. And when Metal back in the day would begin to oxidate and that rust would, uh, they said it was a lot like that devouring insect that was rust colored that would cover things. So he was making an analogy here, but it still, it still applies here. Don't accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and devouring insect or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So what is the reaction of the citizen that does not want to lose their treasures. Grab hold of the hand of the person sitting next to you. It's about to get awkward. The reaction is selfishness. Another way to put that is fear. I'm scared of losing my stuff. So I'm going to keep my stuff right here. God, be generous with your grace to me. Be generous with your favor for me. Like, go ahead of me and protect me in traffic. Like, let me have open lanes all the way to work. God, be generous with your wisdom. And I got this test coming up that I didn't study for and I didn't go to class because I don't like the way they talk and they don't let me have the good seat. But Lord, go ahead and put into my memory things that I never studied for with, with your grace and your wisdom. I'm, I'm preaching to the young girls right now. There you go. Let me parent in front of y'all for a little bit. God, God I, know, I, I know that I haven't really applied myself, but could you go ahead and be generous with your grace? 
And he's like, okay, trust me with everything, including your treasure. Uh, that's not my conviction. Let me just tell you, I, I have been hurt in the past. I have trust issues when it comes to my finances because somebody claiming to be a person of God made a mistake. And so therefore I'm blaming God for another person's mistake. I'm, I'm scared. Let's just call it what it is. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because every hand in the building would go up. There have been times that all of us have been scared. Like, like one of the most fearful moments in my life is when Olga sends me to the store to buy something and she does not tell me which card to use. And she said, well, just call her. I do. But there's an affliction in my wife, maybe in, in all the ladies. I, I don't know. But if I call, she ain't going to answer. Right? Cam, am I right? You haven't been married long enough to nod. Just go praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Y'all pray for Cam. He's going to be on the couch tonight. <laughs> but like, I call. I, I want to, babe, I'm, I'm in line like, I'm a pro. There's like two people ahead of me, and it's self checkout. Like it's going fast. <laughs> what door do I use? Please answer your phone. And she doesn't answer the phone. I'm just like. <laughs> and those stupid self checkout things. Your card has declined. Please use another card. I'm like, what? Who's doing that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We live in fear of not having. And the presence of God moves in on us and he's like, hey. And we're like, ah. Someone talks about money and has to joke about it so we don't feel awkward. Because you start talking about money. You know, talk about my soul, but don't you dare talk about what's in my bank account. It's fear, it's selfishness. It's a reaction. I've been hurt. Someone was untrustworthy. Therefore, God is untrustworthy. It's fear, but it's also a form of idolatry and pride that says, I am my source, not my heavenly father. So that's reaction. What, what should the response be? The generosity response is simply Generosity. What is generosity? Oh, I'm just giving everything away. Give it away. No, that's not generosity. If the reaction is fear, the response is trust. Generosity is trusting that your source is not affected by your circumstance. Pastor wants money. No, I, I don't. God wants your heart. And that's why he says in verse 20, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice that it's not the other way around. Where my heart is, my treasure is. Okay, what, what is he talking about? Is he talking about this muscle in our chest? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about our soul. That's the spiritual word. But he's also talking about our character, our mind our passion, our dreams, that part of us that's actually extremely malleable and very, very easily influenced. God wants your soul. And he knows that you have intrinsically tied your soul to whatever is in your wallet. And he says, you're being stingy because you don't trust me. And I want to pour more into you than you can even handle but you don't trust me because your soul is fearful. So I want you to change. I want you to stop being so untrusting of me because I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I've never taken anything away from you that I have not poured more into. I have never abandoned you. I've never left you alone. I've got plans for you. And I know what the plans are. Plans to see you prosper and to accomplish amazing things. But you've got to trust me. It's not just going to happen. You've got to trust me. I don't care that you have treasures. That, that's what he's saying. Have treasures. Have treasures. 
have resources, but recognize where you put your attention. That's where your character is going. And and hear this. Let, Let me play this out. I don't trust humans, so therefore I'm stingy. My character says I don't trust God. And now my heart goes to wherever I have stored my money and my character is determined by my financial status. Because we've forgotten in this moment that we live in a monarchy and our resources don't belong to us. They belong to the kingdom. Does this make sense? Everybody mad at me? A couple of you are. Don't be mad at me. I don't want your money. God wants your heart. Because here's the deal. Our souls chase our treasure. What do we treasure? Do we treasure our control? Do we treasure our way to manipulate other people with our finances? Do we treasure our ability to buy the toy? Or do we trust that our source knows every one of our needs before we could ever get there? Here's the generosity response. Trust Jesus to provide your finances. Live with an open hand. I've done this example before, but here's what it means to live with an open hand. I don't know if you're getting it. You have to live with an open hand, and as soon as your hand gets filled with his provision, you dump it out, and poop, there it is again. Perfect. Could not have been better timing. Tell him I said hi. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that jug in my refrigerator. You put it in, you close the door, and after the door closed, you hear. You open the door, it's filled with water. You take all that water and you pour it in a glass and you put it back in, you close the door. And you can pour that in the dog bowl and then put it back in. (laughs) But we live like this because we know our limitations. And we think that if I trust God, I'm going to run out. He said, if I dress the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will I take care of you? In fact, he says, do not worry. Jesus, you are offending my political stance because anxiety and depression is where I live and it's my right. We've taken a condition and made it our identity. And we thrive in anxiety. I read an article this past week of the danger of identifying situations in young people's lives. Because now it's become the trend to go onto your social media in the, in the younger age groups and display all of the problems that you face and the kid with the most problems is the hero. But your king said, do not worry. And society says, you better embrace your anxiety. In other words, embrace your ability not to trust. So here's the deal. Trust Jesus to provide your finances. Live with an open hand. Chase eternal treasure, not preference and not comfort. And if God blesses you with wealth, look for an opportunity. Look for an opportunity. Because if you're investing in his kingdom, you're obligating the almighty right back to your finances. If, if, he, if he trusted you, he's saying, let me prove myself. And for those of us who struggle, like, he ain't trusting me with that. Somebody know what I'm talking about. He ain't trusting me with the finances. I wish he had No, we ain't ready. That's why he's not trusting him with them. Because he knows what we do with them. It's mine we got to learn to trust him. Amen. Let me close this out. Verse 25, the trust response. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry. 
Look back and say, be happy. Let's try that again. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry. Look back and say, be happy. Pastor, you, you're, just, you're just saying a colloquialism to kind of, no, 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 no. Your happiness is your choice. It's not your reality. It is your choice. It is a response to what you're facing. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you drink, about your body and what you'll wear. In other words, don't live with anxiety. Make the choice to walk away. I am not going to be anxious about this. In fact, Jesus said this, be anxious for nothing. That's a choice. Let me encourage you, go read Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I will not be afraid. That statement by David was not his reality. That was a choice he was making in the face of his adversary. Because a few verses later, he's like, they're coming for me. They're going to kill me. They're going to shoot my dog. They're going to take all my stuff. They're going to take everything that I own. But the Lord is my light and my salvation. I will not be defined by my circumstance. So what's the, what's the reaction? The reaction is self-reliance, also known as anxiety. But I have a condition. You're relying on yourself. You have, I, I, have, a, I have a situation, Pastor. You don't, I, I struggle with anxiety. No, you struggle with trust. Doesn't make you bad. Doesn't make you evil. Does not make you broken. Hear me. Somebody needs to tell you that. You're not broken. If, if you're anxious about things, you just don't trust your heavenly father. What is the response? The response is trust. But that's scary. I get it. That's why he has already proven himself over and over and over and over and over and over. Because here's the deal. If you can't trust God to get you through these years that you're living now, how are you going to trust him in your eternity? Could this be that why so much religion and so much theology doesn't even focus on where we're heading? It only focuses on being good people here and now. Because we don't trust God for where he's taken we don't truly believe there's something after this life. You got to understand this. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. That's a joke. I, I don't. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not diagnosing anything. If you have a doctor, trust your doctor. They know way more than I do. But here's what I have learned. Anxiety is a poison. And anxiety is one of these rare poisons that don't just affect one part of who we are. Anxiety infects every part of who we are. Because what it does, it saps our spirit. When we're anxious, our spirit can't even function. We, we try to go pray, and we don't have the ability to pray because the anxiety just keeps bringing the problem back up. We try to go into worship, and like, we can't. Like, we can't even get our arms up to worship. We know we should go to the Word of God, and we're like, I ain't going to the Word of God. That's sapping our spirit. But here's the thing, anxiety also twists our soul. Gets our soul tied up in knots to where our character is so broken and our character is so twisted, we can't even see what the next step is because we are so overwhelmed by fear and the enemy says, I got them. And when life starts to happen, we go to fear instead of to trust. Because our character has been reshaped and everybody's an enemy and everybody's out to get us and everything's going bad and somebody cuts us off in traffic and they're trying to steal our children and like it goes, it goes bad and it gets dark really, really quick. Next thing you know, we're, we're hiding out and we're isolating ourselves because I just need some alone time right now. No, you do not. You've got to understand your character is being twisted by a poison that is designed to separate you from God and his people. But they don't understand. They don't ask me about myself. They don't tell me. That's anxiety. You don't trust God. You're putting your trust in the wrong place. You need to learn to trust God because anxiety is a poison and it also affects your body because if you live in anxiety long enough, it will physically kill you. 
Because it seeps poison into every part of your system, into your spirit, into your soul, and into your body. Is it any wonder that society is shoving anti-anxiety poison into us at every level that we can get our hands on it? I'm not anti-medicine. No, don't even believe. Someone tell you that they're lying. I'm not anti-medicine. But sometimes the poison that we're taking is worse than the poison that's killing us. We've got this place of of self-reliance and we're living in anxiety. He's like, I don't want you to live with anxiety. I've already, I took stripes on my back for your healing. I was wounded for your transgressions. Those are your actions. But I was bruised for your iniquity. What are iniquities? These are things that attack our character. Your God was bruised so that you don't have to live in anxiety. But we're conditioned. Speak your truth. Stop speaking your truth. It's a lie. Whoever started that needs to be spanked publicly in the town square. Because it's a lie. There's only one truth. His name is Jesus. Why don't we speak Jesus instead of that? Why don't we speak Jesus instead of the problem? Instead of fixating, well, this hurts, this hurts, they took, they did. I want, I need, I. All I want is for you, for you to be glorified. What am I doing? I'm fighting anxiety. All I want is for you. For you to be glorified. You to be lifted high. Because here's the deal. I got four daughters. Two and a half of them drive. All I want (laughs) is for you. One of them goes to school at LSU. And every day she's being indoctrinated with humanism and anti-Godism and wokeism and cultural relevance and and identity politics and all of this bull crap. Please be lifted high. And I got two that are graduating from high school. They didn't go to school on Friday because they didn't set their alarm. But that's a whole other thing. But maybe God protected them because right in the place where they were going to walk into their school in Destrahan of all places, there was a gang fight. All I want is for you. Like I pastor a church. I, Pastor John's in Kenya. Pastor John Waniki. He, I can't get the homeboy calmed down. He's trying to open more churches. All I want. I got some anxiety. And, and, and then, then you're calling me. You're texting me. You're emailing me. Can you help me out with this? Can you pray for me? Can you talk to me? Can you be everything? And I'm not like, I can't. I can't. Please be glorified. I want to live my life in a way that they don't see me as their source, God. I want to live my life. I want to display my relationship where they see you. Does this make sense? If our attitude is right, our response is to just begin to glorify him. Yo, I, I don't even, this is not even where I wanted to go with this, but God is interrupting this moment in this spot right here today. And he's reaching for somebody. He's like, let me prove myself to you. Let me invite you into a relationship that you perhaps have never been in. Have you been hurt in other relationships? Let me prove myself to you. Have you been abused? Have you been victimized? Let me prove myself to you. You put your faith in the wrong things. Let me prove myself to you in faith. You're scared that you're going to do without? Let me show you the value of living with that open hand. Let me show you what I can do. Where you think you're limited, you're not limited. 
you're my child. You're a citizen of my kingdom. You can come boldly before the throne. I have already raised the golden scepter. I've already extended my hand and said, you can come on into my throne room. I just need you to trust me. You see, here's the deal. All of our responses can be boiled down into one thing. Do we trust Jesus to be the king or do we want to be the one sitting on the throne? Or worse yet, do we want someone else to sit on the throne to meet all of our needs for us? Hear me. I love pastoring this church. I can't do it by myself. That's why we ordained one more couple today. I love our pastoral team. They're all awesome. They're amazing. I'm honored. But we are not your source. Jesus is. Three claps are better than none. But see, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. Maybe. What would happen in this church? What would happen if everybody in the quiet seats and everybody in the loud seats and everybody in the spit zone? What if we would just simply make a choice to say, I'm not going to live in worry. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to be idolatrous. I'm going to trust my God and I'm going to actively pursue his kingdom with everything in me. I wonder what would happen, not just in our lives, what would happen in the world that we live in? See, it starts right here. So here's what I want to do. Nobody looking around. Every eye closed. A couple of y'all have your eyes closed the whole sermon. We're just joining you. That was funny right there. <laughs> Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. For sure, don't look at me. I, I, I just want to disappear in this moment. Jesus, you're God. We're not. You are the king. We're not. You are the Lord. We're not. Can you breathe your spirit here in this moment? Breathe your spirit into our reactions to show us that there is a better way and that you've already patterned it out and all we have to do is take your hand and trust you to lead us and guide us. Because God, more than anything else, we don't want to be pretenders. We don't want to just be acting. We want to live as citizens of your kingdom. And all that we want is for you to be glorified in this world as we advance your kingdom and the place that you've entrusted to us. In Jesus' name, all I want is for you, for you to be glorified you to be there. I wonder if there'd be anybody else who would stand to your feet, make your way down to this altar. We're going to move from reaction to response. We're going to respond by getting close to the Almighty. We're going to openly declare who our source is. We're going to walk away from idolatry. We're going to walk away from anxiety. We're going to walk away from self-reliance. We're going to walk away from fear.